Hey, thanks so much for joining us on the Live Church Podcast. Whether this is your first time tuning in or a regular viewer, we are thrilled to have you today. Why? Because today, Charlotte Gambill, my wife, has an incredible message. It's called Girl on the Run. And I know wherever you're at today, this is going to help you establish your God-given destiny. Rather than turning back and giving up when times are tough, I know that God is going to release a desire in you to take care of those challenges in front of you. And you'll remember after hearing this message today that God is for you. He's not against you. So I know you're going to enjoy this and let's get it started. I'm going to speak a message to you in the time that I have this morning um, that I really felt God put in my heart before the conference was ever getting prepared or birthed. And God just gave me an expression in my heart. And this expression I didn't shake off. So I wrote it down on a piece of paper and I left it on my desk at home as I often do when a message is beginning to be incubated. I just write it down and stick it on a post-it not knowing what that's going to lead me but knowing it's a God thought. And the thought that God gave me was, girl on the run. Girl on the run. And this morning, I want to talk to every girl in here (laughs) that is on the run. Girl on the run. Because I believe in this room today, there are many of you that are running away on the inside from things that you don't like about where you came from today. You're going to go home today. You're going to go back today. But when you go back, you're still going back with a runaway spirit in your heart. With a, with a thing that's going on inside you where you're going to go back, but you don't like going back because the things that when you go back you're going to face, you want to run away from. And you don't want to be around them. You don't want to be in them. It could be a leadership issue. It could be in a relationship issue. And it could be in all kinds of manner. I'm going to break some things down that we run away from. But the fact is that you actually, though you're sat here and though you will go back to your family because that's where your home is, that's where your kids is, that's where your life is. So you have to actually go back back but when you go back you're still a runaway inside your spirit you don't want to be there I don't really want to be around these people I don't really like this there's a runaway thing that's going on and the fact is that the the fact is that you have to go home and God does not want you to be a runaway while you're at home because when you're a runaway it means you're running from something See, the Bible tells us we're supposed to run two things. We're supposed to run into our future. We're supposed to run into our destiny. We're supposed to run after God, but it doesn't tell us that we're supposed to be a runaway. Because when you're a runaway, you become a homeless person. You become a refugee. You become someone with no affixed bode. And the Bible teaches us that we're supposed to have a fixed bode. We're supposed to be planted in a house. We're supposed to have roots down somewhere. We're supposed to be flourishing. And so it's no good living your life, running away from things that maybe, just maybe, by the end of this session, you're going to understand it's time to face. I'm going to take you in the Bible to a runaway. And I'm actually going to take you to what God said to her because he asked this runaway that was running away from a situation that wasn't nice, that wasn't pleasant, but she was running away from it. God asked her to do something crazy. He actually asked her to go back. And I want you to understand that sometimes the love of God looks like going back to the things that you're praying God would remove. The love of God sometimes looks like a grace to go back and deal with the stuff that you're trying to avoid. The love of God sometimes looks like having the guts to go and take down a giant that no one else wants to take down, but God's going to anoint you to take it down so that other people don't have to be a runaway from the place you're trying to escape from too. And this was a runaway. 
A story is found in Genesis 16, and we're going to spend a little time in this story this morning because I'm going to identify for you things we run from. But I'm actually going to start with the question that God asked this runaway as she was trying to escape from the situation that she had left. And her name was Hagar. And a story is found in Genesis 16. And I'm actually going to go, first of all, to the question that God asked the runaway because I believe it's a question God is asking you in the room today. And so it says of Hagar in Genesis 16, when she's running away from Sarah, she's running away from her situation, she's running away. It says in verse seven this, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, here's two questions. Where have you come from? And where are you going? And the Spirit of God is asking you the same question. I don't know what your name is, but God does. Where have you come from? And where are you going? See, this was not actually a geographical test. This was a spiritual test. Geographically, he knew where she was. Geographically, we all knew where she come from, but he was trying to identify in that moment Where are you going, Hagar? You actually have no point of destination in mind. I know that you've left the situation you don't like, but now because you're running away from something, you don't even know where you're going to. You have no fixed abode. There's no place for you to go. This is not the time for you to be running away. Where are you going? And the interesting thing is the way that she answered was not where she's come from or not where she was going to, but the way that she answers was what she was running away from because fear speaks in those moments. And some of you, all you can see right now is what you want to escape from, what you want to run away from, what you don't want to be around, what person you don't want to talk to, what situation you don't want to deal with. All you see is that, and that is the motivation for every movement that you make. But God is saying, whoa, slow down, you're heading nowhere fast. Do not let your fear take you somewhere. Do not let your emotions park your life up on a desert path on the side of a road that you were never destined to live on. Don't let all of the stuff that's going on inside you confuse you. Don't lose the clarity of the calling I have for you because you don't like what's happening back home. No, 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 no. Where are you coming from and where are you going? God was trying to help her because what God was about to do, he was about to send her back. He's about to send her back. And the fact is, newsflash, in several hours time, we actually are gonna send you back. I'd love to keep you all here. I'd love to keep the arena and we just hang out every day. But the fact is I have to, at the end of today, tell you all to get on your airplane, get in your car and go this weekend after whether you stay in Sunday, go Monday or whenever you leave. But at some point, you have to go back to that marriage. You have to go back to that church. You have to go back to those kids. Yes, you do. (laughs) You have to go back to the situation that you don't like. You have to go back to the conflict. You have to go back to the failing business. You have to go back to the people that you don't really want to spend time with because these are much nicer people that you've found. You're going to have to go back. So I can't help it that you're going to have to go back, but God's going to help you go back different. So I want to take you to the top of the story and I want to identify with you. 
three things that we run from. Three types of runners that I believe this morning are in this room. Three types of girls that are on the run. And we're gonna do that by going to the top of the story to see the first place that the desire in her came to run away. It says in verse one, now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave and perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to do what Sarah had said. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah took Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. Okay, that's some screwed up business that is going on in this household, okay? Okay, now you have to understand that, that this is not a good situation, okay? This is not something that God wants for your life, but this was going down. But you also have to understand that this relationship did not start this way that actually this relationship had got very messed up because of frustration inside Sarah, because of impatience inside of her heart, because of her trying to do what God had said he could do, and she thought she'd do God a favor and help him out. And you know what? There's no such thing as perfect people anywhere on the planet. And I just wanna say that and leave that out there because some of you are giving some people a way harder time than you probably should because there's no such thing as a perfect pastor, perfect leader, perfect partner, perfect spouse, perfect child, perfect teenager. There's no such thing. This relationship actually started good. Actually, if you read the history and the context and you study the Bible and scripture, it actually th uh, says that Hagar probably was the daughter of a Pharaoh that when uh, Abraham dis uh, disguised the, uh, Sarah as his wife because he didn't want her to be uh, taken uh, abuse of or offense, when he, he, when he hid her identity, the Pharaoh that kept her in his household, when, when, when the daughter Hagar, the Bible commentary says, she was probably the daughter of that Pharaoh that saw how Abraham watched over Sarah and saw how they worshiped the God that they served and the God that they loved and saw what that looked like compared to the foreign gods that her people were serving. And actually the, the Bible commentary says that Hagar left a high position to come and serve in the household of Abraham and Sarah. She gave up something because she saw something that she was drawn to, that she was attracted to. And so this wasn't like some kid, some girl that was just being used and that's what, no, she came with a heart to, I wanna be around you. This relationship started well and oftentimes our relationships start well. The ones we invest in the most, the ones we give ourselves to the most, the ones we go there the extra mile every time. That's what had happened in this relationship that she'd come alongside Abraham and Sarah and her and Sarah had become close. She'd become a handmaiden. Sarah, they hung out. She confided in her so much so that when she felt, I don't know what to do, who did she turn to? But Hagar, the one that, if anyone's gonna have my husband, it's gonna be you. I don't know what kind of weird thinking was going on in Sarah's brain, but clearly there was a closeness here that she felt our relationship. If there's any anyone I'm going to use it's going to be you and here's what happens we turn what God sent to our life relationally to be a blessing to be a great asset to our life you know people that are supposed to come I see people all the time they come to our church and God sent them to us as leaders. He sent them to us as, as people for them to be useful in the house of God, for them to be useful in our relationships, for them to be useful and a blessing to our life. But we have to be so careful that we don't turn relationships that should be useful into relationships that use. 
Some of you are in here because you're a relational runner. Because what started good has turned bad. What started as you wanting to be a blessing is now that you are actually being used. What started as you wanting to give is now actually people are taking you for granted. What started as something that you thought, well, I'm coming to serve God with you, has turned up to you being the personal person that this person seems to think, well, no, you're gonna do the God thing for me. See, the interesting line in this part of the relationship breakdown is in one of the verses where it actually says that Sarah had this thought, and I just wanna let you know that if you ever have this thought, it's not a God thought. Sarah had a thought, perhaps I can build a family through her. Can I just tell you, you can build with people, you can build for people, but you can't build your thing through people. I can't say to you, you build my ministry for me. You build, I wanna build through you my significance. I wanna build through you my, my fan, financial stability. I wanna build through you my importance. I wanna build through you this thing that I know God is asking me to do. No, you can't build your thing through someone else. You can build with, you can build for, you can build together. But the moment you try and make someone be the God spot in your life is the moment the relationship is going down the toilet. And so she was running away from a relationship that she did not want to be around. The relationship had gone from being healthy to being controlling. The relationship had gone from being where she felt useful to where she felt used. The relationship had gone to a place where, where she felt like she was, had this kind of camaraderie and this sense of, of sisterhood to a place where now instead of sisterhood, she was being used as a surrogate for someone else's dream. And I'm just putting it out there because I think it happens a lot. I think a lot of us girls end up in these relationships where they start good, but because we don't understand the boundaries, then what we do is we create a confined relationship that now we live in the same town, we do life together, we do church together, but this is really awkward. I don't really like hanging with you anymore. It doesn't feel the same anymore. And what we do if we're like Hagar is we try and run away. You ever had one of those moments where there's somebody in the church that you don't wanna hang around with? and they're in the same supermarket as you're in? Can we just be real? Like you were friends, but now you'd rather not be friends, so you see them down one aisle and they've not seen you yet, so you like dodge the aisle? I mean, come on, girls. I mean, come on, do you think that's what God wants? Do you think God smiles when we're running away from each other like children because we fell out over something so stupid? Do you think that's what God wants for your life, that in your own town, you're a relational runner who I have to avoid them because I left their church, or I have to avoid them because I said something on Twitter about them, or I have to go down the baked bean aisle because they're in the tomato aisle, and you know, if we ever bump our trolleys, it's gonna be awkward, and I have to go over here now because their church and our church are getting on, and, and I look at it and I'm like, God help us. God help us, the world are watching us going, you don't even walk down the same aisle in the supermarket because you don't want to make eye contact because you're all relational running from each other. How foolish do the church look? We've got to stop it, but some of you are running. Some of you don't want to go home because that person is in your mind that you know you've had this situation with, that you know has taken it a step too far, where it was good, now it's bad, where it was useful, now it's being used, where it was, where it was a sense of friendship, now it's a sense of them forcing things on you that you don't feel fit. But here's the crazy thing, and I don't understand it, but we have to understand it. God was still going to send her back. Yeah. It's like God was saying, no girl, you're going to have to go back. 
because you can't park yourself up on this roadside. You cannot stop here. You're going to have to go back, but I'm going to help you go back. Some of you are going to have to go back, but God's going to help you go back to deal with some things that you are relationally running from. The second thing that she was running from was responsibility. Because it says in verse four that after Hagar slept with Abraham, she conceived. And when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. And then Sarah said to Abram, you're responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your hands and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Doesn't that sound like us girls blaming everybody else when actually we started the problem? Blame the husband, blame the children, blame the friend, blame the person. But you know, something had happened. It wasn't Hagar's idea to have a baby, but now she was pregnant. And what she had within her, the fertileness that was in her was gonna now make the relationship with Sarah even harder. Because now her productivity was gonna exaggerate her barrenness. And now, because she had something inside of her, her shape was going to change and Sarah's was not. And now because something was growing in her, her cravings would be different. And so she knew, if I hang around here, I am gonna get bigger, I'm gonna get fatter, I'm gonna look more and more like the thing that's gonna wind her up. If I keep birthing what is inside of me, though I did not look for it and I did not ask for it, I am pregnant with it. And if I hang around you, you're not gonna like me for what is in me, but I can't help it. There's something growing on the inside of me. I don't know what to do about it. It's in there, it's growing, it's birthing, it's about to come out. So you start to run from your responsibility. You are a pregnant woman on the run. I'll never forget when I first ever saw a female preacher. I was in America, I'd gone to a conference, just thought I was attending it, and a woman from the Word of Faith world was there, and I'd never seen a female preacher before because the people in my group at that time told us that we had to have our head covered if we were a woman, we didn't have a role as a woman, that I couldn't be on staff as a woman, that I didn't have no voice as a woman, and I just submitted, and I was like, cool. And so I was just there to run some resources on a table, and I remember walking into a meeting in America and seeing a woman preach, and I tell you, I got pregnant. I didn't plan it, I wasn't looking for it, but I was like, boom, I just conceived. Something inside me was like, whoa, what just happened? And I tell you what I did next, I went on the run. I didn't tell anybody, I didn't wanna talk about it, but I knew something was changing my shape. I knew I had a craving for God's word. I knew there was this thing that was bubbling inside me. And then people would ask me, do you think you could speak? And you know what I did? I'd say, no, 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 I can't do that. And you know why I said I can't do that? Not because I didn't think someone was in me, because I thought, well, if I do, I'm gonna make her upset. If I launch this thing that's in my spirit, she's gonna look barren. If I start this thing that's in me, she's gonna feel awkward. If I birth this ministry and it's more successful than her ministry, oh my word, look out. So what I'll do is I'll run away and find another church and some strange people that don't know me and I'll just give birth over here. I'll just leave the church and I'll give birth over here. I'll I'll just, you know, pack my bags and I'll just run and I'll give birth over here because to give birth here is gonna be all manner of a nightmare. But God's about to send you home. 
with your big fat pregnant ministry inside you, with your shape changed and your cravings different, with the desires inside you wide awake, though you didn't ask for it, though you didn't understand why you got it, it's in you. And God says what's in you needs to go home because I'm gonna bless it. What's in you, though they will despise it, I will bless it, but do not run from your responsibility because too many things that I am gonna bless are birthed on the side of a desolate road and they die because of malnutrition, they die because they're homeless, they die because they're left on their own and they're orphaned and I will take what no one else wants to own and I will own it with you, but you gotta go home. You gotta have the confidence to get out what's in you. You gotta have the ability to birth what is in you. Whether Sarai likes it or not, it's gonna happen. And I remember when I saw that preaching person, I was like, oh, trouble is ahead. Oh my gosh, I am gonna start some trouble if I start to even utter. I remember hiding invitations. I remember people asking me to speak and I remember just putting them in the circular file. Sorry if that was one of you. Just put it in the bin like, I ain't even going there. I don't speak. I don't know how that got out there. I don't know how people know. But see, people start to see what's on the inside of you, whether you accept the invite or not. One day you were thin. Next day you got this great big thing growing out your belly and people are going to start to see, hey, could you bring that belly to us? Hey, could you bring that baby to visit us? And you're, you're, and you're trying to hide it. No, 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 because if my pastor finds out, no, 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 if my friend finds out, you know, if my girlfriend group that never do anything unless the whole group go together, find out. I mean, if I sign up for that area without my sister that always tells me that she controls what I do, if I do it without her, she's gonna think I'm too big for my boots, she's gonna tell me, and you know what? So we abort the baby. We disown the baby, we hide the baby. Some of you go to church and you hide what's inside you growing. You hide it under more and more layers. You're hiding this thing that's growing, but God's gonna send you home. And that sucker is coming out. <laughs> she was also on the run from people's reactions. It goes on to say in verse six that Abraham says, your slave is in your hands. Do with her whatever you think best. And Sarai mistreated Hagar and so she fled from her home. You know what I've realized is that when these things happen, when there's situations that begin to come and brew and you can see it coming, you can see the tension in the marriage coming, you can see the tension in the ministry coming, you can see the person on staff that's about to blow up with that person on staff, you can see the thing in your home, you can see it happening before you and everything about you, if you're like Hagar, is gonna go to your natural instinct, which was she was a runner. Like, I am so out of here. Like, I don't wanna deal with what's about to explode. I don't wanna be in it. I don't wanna have the conversation. I don't wanna have the argument. I don't wanna put my case forward. I'd rather just go move to an island where nobody knows what's going on. I don't wanna be part of it. But see, when pressure hits, the real you is gonna come out. And for some of you, you've avoided the real you coming out for years. And God's sending you home. Because it's time for the real you to be really at home. <laughs> you know, when you are pushed against it, your real nature comes out. And you know what Sarai, her name meant? It meant one of high rank. And Sarah definitely pulled her rank. Put Hagar down and pulled her rank. Well, hello, you know who I am. It also says in some 
translations of her name that it means to be quarrelsome. She was up for a fight. But Hagar's name means to take flight and to be a fugitive. Isn't that interesting? Hagar's name means to take flight. In pressure, your real nature comes out. Some of you are like, bring it on! Some of you are like, I am so out of here. But here's the deal. Hagar and Sarah live in the same house all over the world. The fighters and the flighters, they live in the same churches all over the world. The fighters and the flighters live in the same marriages sometimes. The fighters and the flighters are in the same brood of children that you brought into the world. And so if you can't at home figure out how those two are not gonna kill each other, but be in the same place, then we separate, we separate, we separate, we separate. And we have Sarah's over here up for the fight. And we have scared Hagar's over here that will never get out what's in their life. I remember when we were in the middle of transition in our church, and my time is gone, I can't believe it, okay. Um, I remember there was a woman that absolutely scared me silly. And she was a bully. She bullied me. It wasn't obvious to everyone, but it was just put down after put down. And if I spoke, there was a put down. If I did something, there was a put down. And I was absolutely petrified of her. And I was in my late 20s, early 30s, and I was petrified. She could take me on, I knew she could. And I knew that she was older and I knew she had more influence and I knew she could pull rank on me and I was scared of her. And everything about me avoided a conversation with her, avoided her, just did as she said, bowed my head to it, got on with it. But inside I knew God was saying, Charlotte, if you can't go home and deal with this, how are you gonna deal with that giant? How are you gonna deal with that giant? And you're gonna leave a bully standing for the next generation? I'll never forget the day that my dad said to me, Charlotte, I've made an appointment. You need to go over to this lady's house. She's expecting you. I said, sorry. <laughs> I did not agree to this appointment. You're going to go sit on her couch and you're going to tell her how you feel. I said, no, I don't think that's going to be happening today or any day ever. I know you might be my dad and I don't think you all have that power still, but I'm nearly 30. I'll go in what car I decide at what time I decide. And he just looked at me like, you are going 1.30 today to that woman's house. I tell you, I threw up. I'm serious, I'm letting you know because this is what it looks like. I threw up, I was absolutely shaking. I was like, I cannot say what I need to say. And I felt God say, get in the car. And I drove like this to the house. And I sat like a little schoolgirl, I'll never forget it. In the window, in this little seat, like a kid. And I sat there, my head down, I thought, what the heck am I doing? This barrage began. I just sat there. I just lifted my head up and I said, I'm really sorry you feel that way. But I have to get out what's in my heart. And I'm not going to get it perfect. And I'm going to say things that are wrong. And I'm going to be a brat at times. And I'm probably going to need slapping around the head more than once. But honestly, my heart is just, I love God. And I have to birth what's in my heart. And I don't know why this upsets you. And I don't know why it offends you. But I have to be true to what God's called me to be.
and I can't run away from this anymore. So please stop sending me the emails. I'm not reading them anymore. Please stop telling me all the things that I'm doing wrong all the time because I can't take it anymore. Please stop controlling me in the way you control me because I want to do life with you, but you're making me want to run away. But I have something in me that has to come out. I have something in me that I didn't put there. I didn't ask for it. I don't know why God gave it to me, but I have something in me and it needs to come out. So please, would you just back off? And I tell you, there's thousands upon thousands of conversations like that that never happen. Because instead we get in the fight and we run and we leave the giant and we leave the bully and we leave the situation and then we have breakdown over here and breakdown over here and breakdown over here and aborted dream here and dead baby here and dead ministry here and broken fragmented relationships everywhere. And Hagar was running from the fight because her nature was to flight. But I don't get it, but I don't understand it. And I pray, God, why did you say this to her? But this is what God said to the girl on the run who said, I'm running away from all the things that freak me out, from the relationship that's controlling, from the situation where I feel used, from the place where I feel like there's conflict. I'm running away from the place where I have responsibility. I don't know what to do with. I'm running away. And God says this. Verse nine, the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit. And then the angel says this, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. God's not asking Hagar to go back and submit to being abused. Hear me right. God doesn't ask you to go back if it's an abusive marriage and be hit. God was asking her to go back and face the situation. Go back and face it. You know who would be the least happy person to see that girl come back? Sarai. Because she was like, that's another one kicked out of here so I can be Queen Bee. It's another one used and poof. God said, I need you to go back. I need you to go back with this knowledge that what is in you, I will increase. That what is in you, I will bless. What is in you, I will release. What is in you, I will make room for. And she named Ishmael, God, he is God, sees because at the place where she had run away, where no one else would come and find her, at the place where she parked up her pregnant belly and said, this is it for me. God showed up and said, listen girl, I know everything inside you does not wanna go back. I know everything inside you wants to camp out around this misery, around this upset, around these feelings of it's not fair. Why me? Why am I getting blamed? I know you want to camp here, but if you camp here, not only will you die, but so will what's within you. And though this was not your plan, and though this is not what you thought would happen, I will increase what is in you. And I will own what no one else wants to own, but you have to go home. You have to go home. Today, all across this room, it's time that when you go home, you go home different. You go home to the relationship you're running from and you have a different spirit and say, you know what, I don't have to be controlled. I'm gonna go home, but I'm not gonna go home the same girl. 
I'm going to go home, but I'm not just going to sit in that chair in the window and be told all the things that I'm rubbish at. I'm going to go home, but I'm not going to sit and be abused with that amount of, of, of criticism that nobody, not God, nobody would put on me. I'm, I'm going to go home. I'm not going to apologise for the fact that my belly is growing. I'm going to go home. And I'm not going to apologise that my cravings have changed. I'm going to go home and I'm not going to be scared that what is within me is about to come out. I'm going to go home because I need a home. I need a home. I need to be a home to give this birth. I need a home birth to happen. And though their worlds would separate later, there was something about that moment that God needed. He didn't say stay there forever. But there was something about in Hagar, the one whose name meant to take flight. There was something about going home. Something about her understanding, no, face it. Take it down, deal with it, go back, give birth. And I wanna say to every single one of you in here, are you running from a relationship? Are you running from a responsibility? Are you running from people's reactions? Because it's time to answer the question that God asked her, where have you come from? Where are you going? And it's time to allow God to say, go back. Let me increase what's within you. Time's gone and I am so in trouble with the people that keep the time. But I'm not scared. Not scared of you, Jock. Not going to be controlled. I, does this make sense? Sometimes words are heavy, but they're heavy because inside this word is the ministry in your belly. Inside this is the finance that you're supposed to let go. Inside this is the dream you're supposed to birth. Inside this is a new relationship that God's told you to embrace, but you're frightened of what Sarah is gonna say. Inside this is the breakthrough of the control that all your life has dogged you. Inside this is the conversation that no one else wants, but God's gonna anoint you to have. Inside this is the coming together of two people that no one ever thought would ever be able to come together under the same roof, but for the purpose of what is within you, you're gonna do it, you're gonna make it happen, and you're gonna birth something. It's time to stop being girls on the run. And if you're saying, I need this today, this is me, I know I need it. You might be the control freak. You need to hear what I'm saying about you can't build it through her. But I want us to sing just one part of this song. You make me brave. (laughs) Time's gone and I don't care, whatever. (laughs) Whatever. But I need you to go home strong. I need you to go home brave. I need you to go home courageous. I need you to go home saying, I am getting this sucker out of me if it's the last thing I do. I need you to go home knowing that God will increase what's inside you. I need you to go home that Sarah is not higher than God. I need you to go home knowing that God has a purpose for you, that you don't belong by a roadside, that what is within you, God will breathe upon. I need you to go home and be brave. So if you're saying in this room today, I got to go home brave. I want you to stand to your feet. And we're going to sing this.
Hey, as we just finish our time together, I hope now you understand that God's promises are for you. So don't run away from your problems because God's bigger than your problems. He can even do the impossible if it's sickness or some kind of business challenge, whatever it would be. Take it to Jesus Christ. His resurrection power is available for you. And as we finish, I would love to take three minutes and share our vision for the next two years. We're calling this My Church, My Home. And across our one church, across four locations, we want to just take this time to show you what God is doing amongst us in a way that helps you understand that we need everybody to partner with us. And maybe you want to do that. You want to watch this and partner with us by praying or helping consider supporting us financially. Well, go ahead. Let's watch this. And then at the end, email us. Let us know what you think at hello at livechurchhome.com. And then join with us for next week where we talk more about what God is doing through the work of Life Church. I love this place because it's a relevant uh, family, not just to my age group, but right across the age groups. And it's the life of Jesus for me being outlived. In Life Church Warsaw, we found family. And our best friends. And every Sunday we can hear about Jesus. So it's awesome. This church has shown me Jesus. I found full acceptation in here. I love church because I get to be involved. I feel like this is my family here. I get to meet new people each week. I get to be a part of what's going on here. I love church because I get to be part of a huge family who celebrate and lift up Jesus every single week. And I feel privileged and honored to be a part of it. Life Church for us is a place where we meet Jesus, where we can strengthen our faith and we can get connected with other Christians. can come here, party, laugh, do whatever and it's just a great place to be. For me, this is a place where I can walk in freedom, feeling totally and utterly free. This is the place where my creativity has come to life and because of this I've started my own business. I love this place because it's where I found Jesus and my wife in that order. We moved here from Norway. And it's so cool that we get to be a part of building this home. We love this place because everybody is valued and more than welcome. Here is where I feel loved and believed in. This is my church and this is my home. This is where I found freedom to be myself. I love this place because I've made tons of friends. I love this place. It makes me feel alive. I love this church because I can bust my dance moves. This is where we have found true relationship with God. And we love connecting with people. This is where we found each other. This is a place where I can be myself. I've always found it hard to fit in, but here I'm accepted. I love this place 
because it's a judge-free zone. This is where I get to build Kingdom Foundation in kids. I love this place because I belong. My church. My home. Our church. Our home. My church. My home. My church. My home. Our, our church. church. Our home. This is my church. My home. Booyah.